Hi, Laura. Hi, how are you? Great. How are you? Welcome in. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah, happy to be here. I think you're tuning in from Philadelphia, right? Yep, right outside Philadelphia. I'm mentioning this because just before we started this call, I actually just had an impromptu uh, thought about that. You're talking a lot uh, in your articles, in, in your books about uh, time management. And I was a little curious to hear what's a happy way for you to, to start your day? Do you have specific habits or things that particularly make you happy when you're you're starting your day? Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is we're still in the school year right now, um, and I have five children in four different schools. And so, I mean, the start of my day is pretty much just getting kids going um, where they need to go. So that that pretty much consumes the first 90 minutes plus of, of my day each time. But, you know, I always like to have a good cup of coffee. Um, this morning, the weather is lovely, so I was able to take that cup of coffee outside for a few minutes um, in between kid shuttling and such. And um, so, so that was that was nice, you know, get a little bit of fresh air and and quiet time, um, you know, even though I wound up texting back and forth with somebody I had to deal with a, a business <laughs> problem with, you know, but what, it's whatever, it's still nicer to do that outside than, mm -hmm. um, you know, sitting inside. <laughs> That's great to hear. And what I'm catching a little bit from your answer is that there's always busyness. And especially when you're a mom or a busy professional, there's always so many things to do. And you still manage to take the time to, like you say, you know, take your cup of coffee. And even if you need to <laughs> chit chat with someone and and deal with, you know, an emergency, you do manage to take this time. Do you find that the way we spend our time is a key characteristic of someone who is happy versus someone who is a little less happy with, with their life? Um, I think it's true. And that, that's actually a more profound statement than I, than I think you, you know, people might appreciate. Um, because when we think of how we experience happiness, a lot of people look at the things in their life um, that suggest that they should be happy. Like, you know, uh, you know, if you have a beautiful house, if you have mm. family, if you have a good job, you know, whatever it is that uh, people, people assume should make you happy. And yet happiness is generally experienced in how we spend our time. Mm -hmm. So if you have what is theoretically an awesome job and yet you spend all your time in really tedious meetings or, you know, responding to, uh, grading emails and spend too long commuting to get there. Like you actually aren't going to be that happy on a day-to-day -day mm -hmm. basis, even even if this job sounds awesome and 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 when somebody's just hearing about it, or you know you may have a, a family and and that you know you're grateful to have that family that the kids are still at home with you. You know you're reasonably happy and married or whatever. But <laughs> um, if you're not actually spending time with your family that feels good, right? Like if it's constantly um, navigating sibling bickering or, you know, you and your spouse never spend time together, like you're actually not going to experience the happiness of, of having this family. And, and you know, if all your leisure time is stuff you don't care about or sort of interrupted and you don't get time for the hobbies and, and things like that that you enjoy, then you're, you're not going to be that happy. And people mm -hmm. wonder like, well, why am I not happy if I have this great job and a family and all this stuff? You know, it's like, well, because <laughs> it's the hours themselves. Um, are not spent doing things that you would actually enjoy. What would you say are for you the activities that bring you the most happiness and if they have evolved a lot during your life or if you find that pretty consistently it's sort of the same type of things that, that bring you this happiness? Yeah, well, I mean, I love writing. Um, <laughs> that is always my my core love. I I came to writing books because I like writing, not because I had the subject matter expertise at the beginning that mm -hmm. I was uh, looking to share. So somewhat of a different path than a lot of people in the nonfiction world, but but I do primarily love the writing. Um, so hard to be happier than sitting down at my desk and working through a draft <laughs> that's getting better, um, that it's really saying what I wanna say on a topic I'm excited about. I love running. Um, that's something I wasn't you know necessarily wouldn't have thought I, I would love, but I've I've come to enjoy the quiet and being outside and the physical activity. 
Um, so that's something I enjoy. I love singing. Um, so I sing mm -hmm. in a choir and that's something I really uh, like to do. And then, you know, with, with family, it's about making sure that you're doing stuff that is enjoyable. So I love when I can get one-on-one -on -one time with a kid or, you know, go like sit and have a conversation with an older child or, um, you know, go on a walk with one of them. Like I go for runs with my older son. Sometimes I, I find that enjoyable. So things like that. Mm -hmm. I find it very interesting also because right now and in the past few years, there's been a lot of more talk about self-care and especially younger generation, how we should address self-care and, and sort of happiness around that. And most of the activities that you mentioned right now are not you know, like taking a bubble bath or going to a spa or taking this specific product. It's a lot more activity oriented with or without people, but with some sort of core activity and action at the center of this rather than simply meditation or again, I don't know, taking time for, for a bath, which are important activities, but how do you see that the conversation today also around taking the time, happiness has evolved in the past years and the center of activities that revolve around that? Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of what I call more active self-care um, because it the active stuff is what tends to happen. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I always wind up in these kind of... Uh, I don't know, these conversations with people, they're like, well, I need to practice more self-care. I'm feeling burnt out. I'm feeling whatever. Like, I don't have time for myself. And, you know, like, okay, I'll go take more bubble baths. But the problem mm -hmm. is because bubble baths are so, like, you can do it whenever. It just tends not to happen. Whereas mm -hmm. if you actually commit to activities that you enjoy, they do tend to happen. So this is mm -hmm. the difference between deciding that my self-care is a bubble bath or my self-care is singing in a choir because the singing in a choir, my choir meets at seven o'clock on Thursdays. Like I have to be there, you know, there's no, <laughs> like, you know, that's the the time and there's nothing flexible about it. Like, you know, mm. it's, it's a time, a place I have to be there. Um, whereas a bubble bath can happen whenever. And, and the reason the bubble bath then winds up being a problem is let's say it's, you know, six 30 on a Thursday night. If a kid wants me to drive them somewhere, I'll be like, you know, if all I want to do is have a bubble bath, well, I'm probably going to do it. And it's just going to get punched <laughs> forward. Or if I've got, I'm really busy at work. I might think, oh, well, you know, I don't have to do the bubble bath tonight. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll do it some other time. Whereas that choir, it's seven o'clock. It's Thursday. I got to be there. And so when things are commitments, when they're scheduled in, they happen. And so I'm always encouraging busy people to mm. make a commitment to something that they find energizing, that they truly love. And, I, and this is hard for people to get their heads around. Um, cause they're like, but I'm so busy, you know, I shouldn't put more things into my life. I want to feel less busy. It's like, well, you want to feel less busy with stuff you don't want to do. And I want you to get rid of that stuff, but I want you to actively put in things that you are committing to mm. that will force you to do this active self-care. That's, that's super interesting. And the fact that you mentioned this commitment and sort of having constraints around what we enjoy doing or generally a happiness in life people think oh freedom and I can do whatever I want whatever I want and a lot of people who do find themselves in a situation where they have enough money and enough time to do whatever they want whenever they want they're not so happy for so long unless they find activities like you say that have some sort of constraints and commitment around it to to keep them uh, going and a lot of people, maybe you have heard also mention when we talk about planning time and also maybe tracking time even more that there's a rigidity to it. And so you can't be happy with, you know, just so much rigidity in, in your schedule and planning every, you know, part part of your life. How is this something that you have managed yourself to still have opportunities for unexpected joys to happen and also not letting everything be, be out of place. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, a couple of things just to explain to, to listeners, I have tracked my time for eight plus years now. Um, so I know how I've spent every half hour <laughs> for the last eight years. I, I mean, I don't have this actively in my brain. I have records um, that I can go back and, and look at, which is actually kind of fun to see how I spent, you know, a random week in 2017. Um, but 
I, I had also, you know, planned my life pretty extensively. And the reason I do this, I mean, the time is going to pass regardless. And mm. so if you want to spend your time better, I think it's important to look at the data of how you are spending it now, because people have all sorts of ideas of how they think they are spending their time. And they come up with various narratives of what the problem might be like, oh, I'm, I'm working too many hours, or I'm spending too much time doing this or not enough time doing why. It's like, well, okay, let's find out if that's true. And often people find that they are not working as many hours as they thought they were, <laughs> or they do have free time. It's just they're not using it in ways that they're enjoying or, you know, whatever it is. So it's, a, it's important to know this because then you're working from good data and can make wise decisions on what mm. you actually need to change. Um, but as for planning, I, you know, there's a distinction here. I plan my life quite extensively. Part of that, though, it's people have the wrong idea about planning. Planning is not about the things that you have to do and things mm -hmm. that you don't want to do. Like most people are going to do the things that they have to do regardless. Like, you know, you are a responsible person. You're going to get your kids to school. You're going to show up at work. Like this is, <laughs> that's, that's not in question. Planning is about making sure you have space for the things you want to do. Mm. And those are the things that aren't going to happen if life is chaotic and there are all these moving pieces and you don't have a sense of where they're going. Um, so, you know, I think of planning often, the metaphor I think of is a circus, like life being a circus and people <laughs> are like, well, that sounds chaotic and crazy. And like, there's stuff everywhere. So well, no, no. If you've ever really watched a circus, you know, it is, the, there are a lot of moving parts, but it's the most orderly thing you could possibly imagine. Mm. Like, no one is getting shot out of a cannon at the wrong time in the circus. It's you know? prepared. They're, they're well prepared. prepared. They're prepared. They also have, with all those acrobatic stunts, they have things set up for when, hmm. you know, their mistakes, right? I've seen, I remember I was watching a circus once and they were having these acrobatic things on horse, you know, people doing acrobatics on horsebacks and a lady fell and, and they, they had a system. It was immediately everyone hmm. went into a holding pattern while it could be dealt with so that make sure that you know she wasn't injured there was something she could do to like get back you know it, it was they knew what to do like they know what to do when stuff goes wrong that's the kind of planning you want like not mm. just okay I've got every minute of my week structured in order <laughs> to do x y or z like that's gonna fall apart immediately a good plan is like okay I know roughly when things are happening I have mm. space for my priorities I have also figured out what can go wrong and I've thought that through and made plans for that. And so I know I'm going to be able to make progress on my goals, you know, even when life intervenes. Hmm. I'm a project manager by training, so I can only say amen to <laughs> yeah, <all> yeah. that. <laughs> but uh, you uh, share also one sentence that I find very interesting. I think I'm quoting you properly when I say spending more time on what matters and less on what doesn't, I think sums up really, really well uh, all, this, uh, all this concept. Do you find that the search for happiness or the pursuit of happiness, it's something we're spending time, energy and money on, or it's uh, maybe not a worthless pursuit, but is maybe not the goal or is distracting us from another goal? Well, I'm, I'm very much in favor of, of happiness um, and spending our, our time in ways that brings us happiness. I think um, maybe people don't often know what is going to bring them happiness. They may have ideas mm -hmm. that are um, not necessarily founded in, um, in, in sort of the truth of, of what mm -hmm. human satisfaction stems from. Um, one of the most, uh, you know, things that, that, I think a lot of people wind up getting trapped up and I've been looking at this problem lately, like when people get very excited about retiring or that, you know, the whole financial independence movement, I'm like, I'm very excited about financial independence, but people are like, I want to retire early. And it's like, okay, to do what? And it's mm. not that they, you know, it's that they don't want to work. And it's like, well, you can't live your life as like not doing something. Like you have to have something you are moving toward, right? That there is some goal that you're feeling a sense of progress toward. And that will make you feel satisfied. This is why you see like all these, you know, tech millionaires after they sell their <laughs> company, they go do an Ironman because they realize like, I can't just sit around. Like, what I do I do now? <laughs> I, I need, what do I do now? I need to do something and I need to have that sense that it's a challenge and I'm striving for it. Um, you know, and when people leave jobs to care for children, that makes total sense. Like that's a project that's filling your time. Mm. But if you aren't leaving for something like that, then you need something... <laughs> you know, a big goal that's going to motivate you and that you'll feel a sense of, you know, progress and accomplishment and commitment and connection to the world with. Um, so 
that I think is totally worth spending time, money and effort on whatever that that happens mm-hmm. to be for you. Um, you know, people get bored with the random stuff. If you're like, I love going out to eat. Okay, well, that's, that's probably gonna get boring at some point. You're like every, <laughs> every restaurant there, you know, it's chicken, beef, fish. <laughs> You know, um, it's, like I, <laughs> it's the same, you know, I like to like to travel, travel's great. Um, but if you're like, you know, go sit on a beach for a week, a week at a time, you know, eventually you're going to get kind of bored of that too. So um, you want to have some sort of thing that you are, you are making progress. And so what, you know, I've been talking about this with like retirees. I think it's good that they spend, you know, the first two years figuring it out, like traveling, <laughs> doing the stuff that they couldn't do when they were working. And then after that, I think a lot of people do best when they have some sort of project, you know, that they are caring for grandchildren regularly, they're volunteering regularly, they're writing a book, they're teaching a class, they're doing something mm. like that. Some activity and connection, I guess, with the rest of their community with or the rest of the world. world. Yeah, the rest of their community. Otherwise, <laughs> you know, it's like, What's the point? What's the point? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I saw recently an article about uh, digital nomads, and it's been a big trend in recent years. It's still a big trend, and a lot of people find, okay, I'm gonna go and travel the world, and you know, it's so much more fun than being sitting in an office. And this article was interviewing people who've been digital nomad for already a couple of years and find themselves being sort of burnout, feeling really disconnected from any real home, any um, sort of real community in a longer sense and finding themselves really unhappy actually in what they thought were were a dream and this links back to something on how we spend time and also I think how we spend uh, money and you wrote a book especially on that topic how successful uh, people and happy people can spend their money do you find that the link between success and happiness in time and money is highly correlated or very uncorrelated. Um, how do you see the link between the two that we often oppose together of either you have a very successful life and you reach you know, very ambitious goals and you put a little bit aside your happiness. How do you see the, the two in terms of spending time and money being correlated together? Yeah, it's funny. I Yes, I wrote a book called All the Money in the World that came out in 2012. And nobody knows that I wrote it. Uh, it was not, uh, <laughs> you know, if any of your listeners would like to go back and find it, I'm sure you can still get. No, no, they will know. <laughs> yeah, now people know. That's great. Because um, mostly it's, it's the time management stuff that, that people know more from me. And I, I kind of like time more as a topic just because it is more mm-hmm. equal. Like everybody has the same amount of time and people True. clearly have wildly different amounts of money um which you know i always want to be careful with that like i I think it's 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 hard for those of us who are you know if we're sitting here as as people who are probably earning a decent salary and have a lot of control over you know our working lives to be like oh it doesn't matter like forget Mm -hmm. that like it it does it does matter and um that said money is a tool and as such it can be effective it can be ineffective Um, Mm. It can help you achieve happiness and life satisfaction. It can, you know, work against achieving life (laughs) satisfaction if if it's used in ways that are destructive to to you and the people that that you care about. And so um, I think as long as you keep that in mind, it can be a very helpful tool. Mm. Um, and, And so that is always my perspective that that money can do many amazing things for us. Um, one of the best things it can do for us is buy us freedom. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, not not so much the fancy car and the fancy house, but the freedom <laughs> to determine your own life. Um, that you can decide to take on work that you wish to take on, uh, without it being, you know, a, a matter of like, well, I got to pay my rent this month, so of course <laughs> I have to do this. Uh, it's like, no, I'm actually choosing what work I want to do because I have this cushion. Mm-hmm. Um, that that I you know don't need to do anything. Um, that you can choose who you want to work with, right? Like if you don't want to work with people because you find <laughs> them, I don't know, whatever, like tedious, or you find them unethical, which I think would be the bigger issue, then you don't have to, right? Like mm-hmm. you have the option. Um, buying control of your time—that is obviously a huge thing that money can do. Um, that you know you can. There, there are certain things money cannot free you from, like even the richest people in the world have to sleep. <laughs> like you can't pay someone else to sleep for you. 
you cannot pay someone else to exercise for you, much as many people might wish to do so. Um, you cannot pay, I mean, you can, you can outsource all sorts of other things, but the fundamental relationship building with the people you wish to have in your life is something that only you mm. can do. Um, you can, you can obviously somebody else can do your kid's laundry, but they cannot be their parent um, yep. without it changing the, the relationship completely. And, you know, most people would probably not want their spouse to have somebody <laughs> else, uh, you know, <laughs> building that spousal relationship with them. So, you know, these are all things that you are still going to have to spend time on. So then we need to think of how can money help make it easier for us to do these things that, you know, only we can do. Um, mm -hmm. And, and you know, so that's, that's a good use of money. And then, you know, also little pleasures. It turns out that um, little pleasures are, are something that that money can help with. And the the upside for I always think I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate this way, I didn't, you know, grow up with a whole lot of resources and, and have, you know, gotten more over time. And it's <laughs> wonderful to be in a financially comfortable position at this point in my life. But having learned how to live without it, I get thrills from the craziest things. Like I love going to a grocery store and buying the red peppers, right? Because <laughs> I, I, you know, maybe people are expensive. Here, red peppers are more expensive than green peppers. They are always more expensive than the green peppers. And every time I go in the grocery store and I see that and I see the red peppers are more, and I'm like, well, I could just substitute green peppers. I don't need red peppers, but I was like, but I like the red peppers. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't have to buy the cheapest peppers. <laughs> like we're talking, a, you know, $2 difference here. It's, it's okay. You know, it's, I can do it. I can do it. And, and I get this biggest thrill over buying the red peppers. <laughs> That's an amazing example. <laughs> and I think only a few people can have also this reference if you have, you know, never gone grocery shopping or you've always had someone you know, bringing your food or I don't know, you eat at the restaurant, you don't have this reference of now I can do this. And mm -hmm. a lot of research show that it's progress, whether it's progress that we make or progress generally in our life that help us be happier. And I think your example really shows <laughs> shows that very, very well. Yeah. <laughs> do you great. have something? Yeah. Well, it's a, there's a great, I think it's Pablo Picasso quote. He's like, I want to, um, live as a poor man with lots of money <laughs> and, and that's totally it that's the red pepper thought right there that like oh you know I, I know that the red peppers are the more expensive and i'm getting to buy them so that's, that's uh, yeah that's what we're always aiming for yeah so i think it's a, it's a good point on why usually we separate a little bit this like success and happiness and obviously you had now a lot of success in in your life do you find that your sense of happiness has evolved with it very in correlation totally outside of correlation with your with your success how that journey has been uh, for you over the years well i think that um it's more a question of you know i i'm a good student of you know what people have discovered about mm -hmm. time about happiness about all these things and so I then try to implement those things in my own life. Like I know I feel better when I have gotten enough sleep. And mm. if I have to be up at a certain time in the morning in order to get everyone the places that they need to go, then the only variable I can control is when I go to bed the night before. And so I need to be very regimented about when I go to bed. But if I do that, then I'm getting enough sleep every night. And then I don't have to crash at other points or, you know, be desperate for a nap at some point. <laughs> and then I feel better. Um, I know that I feel better when I am getting adequate exercise. And so I need to make sure that I build that into my life. Um, I know that I need sort of alone downtime to recharge and with five kids that can be hard. Um, but <laughs> then there are sort of little structures that I put in my life so that I can have that time. Um, and, and, you know, th these are like just things you have to know about yourself, um, or, or mm -hmm. what's going to make me happy over the weekend. Well, I want to do these three things and then I will feel happier that I've had a good weekend, even if there are other parts of the weekend where I'm just, you know, dealing with bickering kids all the time. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's about recognizing that there are certain things that certain ways I spend my hours that make me happier and then making sure I have the space in my life for those things. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned here two things that I think are 
so so key that I want to just point out again because you tell first about being a good student of what we already know and actually implementing it. And with internet, we have so much resources on everything all the time about everything we can be doing or should be doing. And a lot of people do listen to this podcast or read the articles and we know what to do. <laughs> and then a lot of people don't actually take the time to just put in place those, those advice. So I think it's a really great reinforcement to hear you say also that, you know, most of us do know what we should be doing and there's plenty of resources online. So maybe sometimes it's good to not listen to as many things or read as many articles and implement them a little bit by, by little. And you mentioned also, I think, the aspect of knowing yourself, which has been mentioned by other, um, other people I've been chatting with. How did you manage yourself to feel like you could know better what brings you happiness um yeah no that's that's uh life the first part that you're saying life is all about execution everything is about execution i mean i see this you know in in the writing world i mean i have a million ideas it doesn't matter like everyone has a million ideas it's whether you actually bring it to fruition mm. um and that is an entirely different matter um, than, than anything else. Uh, or you can have ideas for cool things you'd like to do in life, but if you don't have a system that works and that mm. will happen in your daily life, then um, then it doesn't matter. I, I've really, um, I've gotten better about that over time too. I, I've, I have each year now, I do a year long reading project. Mm -hmm. And this is some sort of big work or collection of work that I would like to read or at least would like to have read, right? Like to have <laughs> in, in my head, um, but it's like a big undertaking. Mm. So in 2022, for instance, I read all the works of Shakespeare. And mm -hmm. that sounds like a lot. I mean, and the man was prolific, <laughs> but the you know illustrated Shakespeare compendium that I had is 1,024 pages. So you do the math, there's 365 days in a year. That's less than three pages a day. It doesn't take that long. It was like a 15 minute mm. project every day, sit down, read your 15 minutes. 15 minutes is not that much. Um, <laughs> you know, you can get through 15 minutes and then go do something else, but you just have to keep doing it. And I did. And then at the end of the year, I'd read all the works of Shakespeare, you know, and, and this year I'm reading all the works of Jane Austen. And so I'm reading about 10 pages a day. And every day I just sit down and read my 10 pages. And then at the end of the year, I will have actually before the end of the year, because it turns out to go faster than I thought it is. I just counted pages. Um, I will have read all the works of Jane Austen. So, I, you know, but that's because they're very small. Like it's, you know, people have big ambitions. They're like, I'm going to read all the works of Shakespeare. And they don't think in a year, they're like, I should do it this week. And well, that's not going to happen no. this week. Like, there's just <laughs> not. <laughs> you got a lot of other stuff going on. You're not going to feel like it. You're going to get bogged down in Henry the sixth part two. And that's the end of that. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, it was just a small amount every day and, and keep going. And that's something that can fit in your life, like brushing your teeth. And then you can achieve big things by breaking it down into small goals. Um, as for knowing yourself, I mean, I don't know, like we all live in our bodies. We have our experience. I, you know, would, would you not pay attention to it? I, I don't know. I like, I guess it's just being willing to spend that time thinking about it and reflecting mm -hmm. about it. Um, and maybe there's different reasons people don't do this. I mean, maybe they don't want to, maybe they're busy, maybe, I don't know, maybe it feels a little narcissistic. <laughs> all, all of these are possible <laughs> explanations. Um, but I do tend to think that knowing yourself better is a, is a way you can better serve others too. Um, and so if you have that in mind, like if you know when you're most productive, like you know to do the important work you've agreed to do mm. during that time, as opposed to trying to do it at other points when you're not going to do as good a job and then you might miss deadlines or not turn in your best work. And then that's not, you know, what you agreed to do for, for the people that you have these responsibilities for. Or, you know, with my kids, I can get incredibly burnt out if I don't get a little bit of you know, quiet time. And I, I have said this, I'd be like, you know, hand the baby to my husband. I'm like, I'm going outside for 10 minutes and then I will be back in and then I can deal with it. And, you know, that's, that's, you know, yourself and that's what you need and come back in and can be a little bit more um, present parent. But, but if you don't know it, then you're just going to wind up going off the rails. Mm, that's a really important point. And I think also it comes down to beyond knowing yourself, being honest with yourself and other people about 
what are your needs and you know how you you function and one thing i really liked in your ted talk that i rewatched recently was how honest and transparent you were and generally in the presentations and the articles that you write and you were sharing how you have been late to your own speech about time management <laughs> so do you find that being transparent in this way even in a very um, superficial society or in a society where a lot is based on still appearance how well we perform and this kind of things has helped you be happier in your role in your career generally to have this transparency um, yeah well I mean I, I can't be anyone else other than I am <laughs> so I, I guess I have to um, be myself um, you know, I, I, well, the the line about me, being late to my own speak on speech on time management is is just a joke to start uh, <laughs> the start speeches. It's true. I mean, I'm not saying it's not true. I have, um, but this is just the function of anyone who has to deal with planes, trains, automobiles. Mm. Like, there are a great <laughs> many things you cannot control, um, and it's so it's happened more than once. Like, I I mean, the one the, that I told the original joke about was. I was giving a speech in Pittsburgh and some police action had just happened like outside the venue oh, wow. where I was. And so I couldn't park anywhere. Like there was nowhere I could park. And, you know, and then I, so I'm circling around trying to find street parking like half a mile away and eventually do and start, you know, I have to race in. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, what the summer one, one that happened is um, I was taking a car service to a, a venue and the, the, the gentleman who was supposed to drive me, um, the car broke down, like on the way to pick me up. Like, you, you know, this, like, I know that they check the fleet frequently, but like, this is not an unknown event for a car to, to have a sudden issue. And, and so he was, he was stuck on the side of the road and, you know, then they, the dispatch couldn't get somebody else until later. So it's just like, these things happen, right? This is mm -hmm. life. And you have to expect that life will happen. And, and so, you know, I, I got in my own car and drove to the, the venue. I just was late, you know, and, and that, that, <laughs> that happens too. And they, fortunately, those, those people were, um, it was in a day long retreat that they were having. So the, the organizers just decided that they would do a different session first <laughs> and then, then I would speak after that, right? So all good. <laughs> it came down to preparation again, because I guess if those organizer just thought, okay, now we have nothing, we don't know what to do, or like they panicked, okay, our speaker yeah. is not here, what do we do? Now they still had, you know, either the experience or agility to to make sure that it went as smooth as possible for, yeah. for the audience. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, and well, if you are the person organizing event, you better think about that because like, <laughs> you know, you have people there and they have to do something. And um, so, you know, I, I always talk about, it. it's not just about making a perfect schedule. It's about creating a resilient schedule. And uh, that that is always what I aim to do. And I would, I think anyone who's managing a lot of moving parts needs to do. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to share about my life and, you know, any of the struggles I have had, or, um, you know, just, I think a lot of, <clears throat> time management gurus, I, you know, may not have as many sort of um, personal life responsibilities as a lot of the mm -hmm. people that they are speaking to. And so I always want to acknowledge that, that, you know, for this to happen, we had, you know, a babysitter and then the babysitter couldn't come. And so we had to find another. And, you know, mm. it's just like you know, people, <laughs> that's the sort of experience people have. And yet here they have, you know, somebody telling them that they need to uh, spend two hours every morning meditating and, uh, you know, doing all this exercise and eating green juice. And they're like, but when, wait, when do I drive my kid to school? Like, wh where does that fit in that? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, okay, it, it doesn't, because that person's not doing that, right? But, you know, if you are, then you need to have, um, hopefully, mm -hmm. some other people who are experiencing that who can, you know, help guide you on on the things that are possible in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And, I think especially all the younger generation, they are basing a lot of their expectations or what they're learning about life on, oh, well, this influencer is spending, I don't know, two hours, <laughs> I don't know, doing this or doing that. And even if it's, let's say, older influencers or people who are specialists in habits or anything like that, it still gives an idea of life that sometimes is not compatible with having a traditional corporate role or is not compatible with raising a large family and the internet doesn't necessarily 
show that and for you as as a mom how do you manage I guess those expectations for for your kids I guess you know you set an example for them but they obviously see the life of other people online how do you manage sort of their expectation of happiness and reality of what's going to be the world for them in in the coming years yeah I mean I don't know we're 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 sort of still figuring this out I mean my you know kids and digital lives is is its whole separate can of worms um you know I just always try to talk with my kids about what's out there and and um I've I've found that the 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 biggest sort of distractions and trouble zones are actually less things like social media and what's on the internet than like the group group texts that are their peers <laughs> and you know what the the dynamics that tend to develop in in that but uh, yeah no I I'm um, I I don't know I mean I I like to think that my my kids have a a, a pretty good life I mean maybe they'll disagree <laughs> you know, we can always. Uh, yeah, quibble with whatever our, our parents uh, did, but, you know, we, we try to have conversations about, you know, what are their interests and how might they use those later in life and how might they um, build lives that, that are satisfying and sort of what values they, they want to um, have and, and live out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those, those are all things that we just try to keep having conversations about. You also talk sometimes about a dreams and pursuing dreams I guess to to be happy beyond you know just time management as a as a productivity tool is this is still something that you're using yourself and do you still have dreams with everything that you have accomplished oh yeah no there's a lot of things I haven't <laughs> done so I, I definitely have things I still want to do um you know various travel things that I would like to do I mean I'm not going to be a digital nomad I like to be in my community <laughs> and have ties to my community but um you know, within that, you can still travel several weeks a year and and enjoy mm-hmm. the rest of the world too. Um, there's books I want to read. There's music I want to listen to. There's music I want to perform. Um, there are skills I have that I would like to improve. Um, so definitely a ton of stuff that I that I still want to do. I you know a lot of books I still want to write. I, I plan <laughs> to keep doing that for a long, long, long time. So yeah, that's amazing that you have still so many dreams. Again, I find that. In the younger generation, it's a little bit more balanced. You have some people that have sort of very extreme and extremely driven <laughs> dreams and other people who feel a little bit, um, I don't know, maybe hopeless with the state of the world and what's possible to do or not possible um, to do. What would you say to someone who has many dreams, who wants to read everything, write everything, do it all, and how they can sort of prioritize that for their their success and happiness? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it helps to make really long lists of anything you might want to do, but then you need to pick some to mm-hmm. focus on in the near term. So, you know, you're you're not going to likely in a year read all the works of Shakespeare and like six other huge things unless you have a lot of discretionary time. But, you know, if you choose the one thing, like I'm going to read all the works of Shakespeare in a year, like, yeah, you can do it in 15 minutes a day and you'll be done and you will have done it. You can sort of check mm-hmm. it off your list of, of dreams. I mean, maybe you want to read them again. I know I want to read a lot of them again, but, um, you know, it's a, something you could do or, or it might be helpful to come up with like a five year travel plan. Um, you, you know, you're not going to go to these these 25 places on your bucket list this year. <laughs> But could you choose 10 of them and mm. do that over five years? Well, that seems a lot more reasonable, right? Like you're going to take some time off <laughs> over the next five years. So if you chose two destinations a year that you would like to do as part of that time off, well, that that might be a reasonable goal. You know, I mean, maybe maybe the the finances don't don't work, but maybe they do. I mean, maybe there's a way to do it in an affordable way or maybe that some of the more expensive ones you you wait to wait for five years. You know, it's, it's like you're <laughs> building up toward that and do some of the cheaper ones earlier, you know, whatever you need to do. But um, and and life may still not happen. I mean, I, a lot of people had big travel plans and say 2020 <laughs> that couldn't happen, <laughs> but it definitely won't happen if you don't plan it. Like most of us are not just, you know, having invitations to come to New Zealand thrown at us left and right. <laughs> like if you want to do that, you're going to have to make a plan to to do it. So um, maybe the plan won't happen, but it definitely won't happen if you don't, you know, think about it. Mm-hmm. Do you have a specific memory of something that has made you particularly happy 
either in the past few weeks, the past few years? Um, well, I do like seeing stuff that um, comes to fruition that I have, in fact, done. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes these are little things like I wanted to, you know, I, I love running and I sort of took it up um, before I started having kids. And then I had a thought like, oh, you know, because I, I, I ran through all my pregnancies and I had a thought of like, well, maybe one day these these babies will run with me. And I've now done several 5Ks with my oldest son. And that's kind of a, a cool wow. thing that, that <laughs> happened. Um, I have you know, reading things like all the works of Shakespeare. I keep putting on my list of goals that I want to write a collection of sonnets. Um, I don't know why I'm obsessed with these 14 line poems and a yambic pentameter. And I was <laughs> like, okay, finally this year I came up with a way to do it, which is that I write two lines every day. And so that's each week I write mm. a sonnet because that's 14 lines in you know, seven days, writing two a day. And two lines a day is really nothing. It's 10 syllables each. So that's 20 syllables. Like it doesn't take much time. But, at, you know, at, here we are about 24 weeks in when we're recording this. And so I have 24 sonnets and, um, you know, I, I will have 52 at the end of the <laughs> year. And that's the collection, I guess. So, you know, it's fun to see that stuff come to be. That's amazing. That's amazing. And again, I think one point that you're mentioning here that's really worth pointing out is tiny, tiny things. If we look at just oh, I want to do this this big thing and it seems so hard and how do we know how to write a sonnet and how do we know how to how to do that? It doesn't need to be the final uh, version of it, every line that you're writing today. But if you write a line every day, eventually, of course, you become a little um, a little better at it. And hopefully the, the quality will be good as well beyond making you, uh, making you happy. Yeah. One, one question I always love to ask as well is how do you generally define happiness and also even more how do you know that you are happy it's a very difficult question <laughs> but each person has their own way of knowing with this I'm yeah happy. <laughs> well I think people are happy when they feel gen generally satisfied with their life both in a macro sense and in how they are spending their hours um I, I like to say, you know, people will tell you 80-20. I think 80-20 is good. Like if 80% of your stuff <laughs> you're happy with, like 20%, you know, it's life. You know, you're not going to be thrilled with everything. Um, but if you're happy with like 80% of, of how you are spending your time, both professionally and personally, if you always feel like you have things that you are looking forward to, mm -hmm. um, that that is also a key component of, of happiness. And so I know that I'm generally good when I am, happy with my hours like each day I'm feeling like I am doing stuff that I want to do most of the time and making progress on it and that you know I also have things that I am looking forward to in my life scheduled in that I know are coming up and are going to be cool so those are that's that's how I measure happiness for myself at least mm -hmm. something to look forward to that's yeah, a really to look forward to. <laughs> that's a really really good point do you have um a final advice or comment that you think can be helpful for people in terms of how they spend either their time or their money or generally energy to um, in, in their everyday life or something that's helped you personally uh, that we would not have touched upon yet to, to be a little happier in every day. I know that time tracking doesn't sound like something that leads that is happiness, you know, and it might be <laughs> annoying for people to do. But I, but I always do recommend that people try tracking their time for a week just because you want a general sense of awareness. Like, where does mm -hmm. my time go? And some people know pretty well, but a lot of people don't. And so time has more of this amorphous quality that, you know, you're just going through life without a, a good record of, of how the time has has transpired. Um, and so by figuring that out, like where has my time gone? Do I like how I am spending it? What would I like to, you know, what's going right? Like celebrate that. And then, you know, what do I want to spend more time doing? And mm. of course, what would I like to spend, you know, less time doing in my life? And as you do this, as, you know, it doesn't need to be much, um, especially if you're starting from a place where you're feeling a little bit like with life. Um, <laughs> even just by putting, you know, the equivalent of, 30 minutes a day of pure enjoyment, like something that mm. you personally enjoy into your life, 
you can change your entire perception of time. And if you can put in 30 minutes, maybe over time, you can get this up to an hour a day. So seven hours a week, seven hours <laughs> of the 168 hours you have on things that are pleasurable for you. And I think if you can get to even that point, like you're going to feel reasonably happy with life. I know I said the 80% is like my definition <laughs> of happiness, but like if, if that's not happening right now, you can't quit your job. You don't like your job. Like, you know, the other things are not where you want them to be. Even getting to that hour is just going to change, you know, so much of how you feel because life isn't all mm -hmm. this slog. Like there's, there are moments of pure joy that you're experiencing regularly in your life. Um, and, and maybe the big things can be changed over time. I mean, maybe they can't, I don't know. Um, but, but having that hour a day is, is going to be critical. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. Usually what I also say to, to people about that, when they're like, oh, it's so busy and I don't have time to, to be happy. I tell them, well, start by removing the stuff that make you unhappy. I don't know if it's also something that you would recommend for people who are extremely averse to like the time tracking and feeling that they really don't have the time even for 10 minutes of something to make them happy yeah. or they, they don't know. <laughs> I mean, I yes, of course, you can definitely try to get rid of any pain points. I would highly recommend doing that. But but the interesting thing of, of how people were, I mean, the time keeps passing regardless and the time is just there. And, and so, you know, like if you manage to empty your dishwasher quicker, mm. like, what are what are you going to do with that <laughs> like you know <laughs> how did that two minutes then change your life i don't know i mean mm. so i think it's often better to start with putting in good stuff because then we kind of automatically become more efficient or do less of other things just because we don't have time i mean there's mm. only so much time right and i know that there are all sorts of email hacks like one could send, spend less time <laughs> on email but like when I know I'm spending less time on email is when I'm doing cool other things. Like I'm really into a project, like I'm writing a book and I, you know, I'm just like going, going, going in it. And then I, I'm just not checking my email because I don't care. Right. And it's not that I learned some amazing hack for spending less time on email. It's just that I'm not checking it. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think that that's, um, we're better off starting from the, you know, putting the good stuff into life. And then, you know, the stuff we don't like is often going to shrink just as a result. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. I do find that, as you mentioned, if you have nothing sort of to look forward to or that motivates this productivity time <laughs> hack, then it doesn't really um, matter. Personally, I found lately that still having some system has been helpful, despite if I have something to look forward to or not. I was talking uh, just recently with someone on the topic of vacation. So I was sharing how before I had a previous role where I felt like, oh, I can't be taking vacation, not because I don't have the days, but because I felt, oh, when I come back, I will have so much to do and so much to catch up on. I don't even want to go on this vacation, even though I'm really, really looking forward to this vacation. And now I was talking with this person because for the span of like two weeks of being totally off, I received less than 40 emails. And I thought, wow, this makes me really happy because I have one le each email less that I have received makes me extra happy that I have time when I come back to not be overwhelmed, to focus on what I want <laughs> and, yeah. and such. But it is true that if you don't have it in combination with something else that feels your time and that is beyond just productivity um it's not going to be so interesting from from that point of view yeah yeah exactly <laughs> do you have things that um you felt were really drawing from your happiness over the years that now you've managed to either totally remove from your life or lessen sort of the mental or or practical weight of um well, this is going to sound maybe sort of uh, funny, but um, having uh, a couple hours of weekend childcare for at least the the youngest kid mm -hmm. um, is definitely a major happiness. A boost. big booster. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it allows for the possibility of a more relaxed few hours on a weekend. Like somebody doesn't mm. have to be watching a little person 
constantly um, during that time. And, you know, you're still around with the big kids and can do things with them. So it's not, it's not necessarily pure leisure, but, but it allows for a little bit more space and, and not feeling quite so like every minute that you don't have the baby is, you know, <laughs> like gotta be doing something with it. Um, and, you know, even just uh, like you can then take older kids to activities without chasing a younger kid around, which realize like that is a huge source of unhappiness. Like you wound up, <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to a kid's soccer game. You can't even watch your kid play because you're chasing a two-year-old and keep them out of the parking lot. And it's just like, what, you know, this is my weekend, right? Like, this is what I'm, I'm you know, whereas um, being able to, to not have to do that um, just makes time feel far more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Laura, for all those insights today and your inputs on your vision of happiness, a little bit of personal, a little bit of scientific, um, and some from your experience as well over the, the years. For the people who may not know some of your books or all the articles and all the content that you write online, <laughs> there's a lot of, lot, lot, lot of information. So I will highly encourage everyone to uh, be checking it out, whether you're interested in happiness or more time management, also money aspects <laughs> back from a little while ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's all of it. Yeah, you can you can read you can read Laura Vanderkam stuff for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, I've tried when I was doing a little bit of um, research before before chatting with you. I always try to search a little bit so that you know, obviously, we can have a conversation that is related to um, to you, but also not too much so that I don't ask questions that are too much already available online or <laughs> things that would be a little mainstream but there's definitely a lot of amazing resources out there from uh the content uh, again your books your ted talk as well many many articles that people can read so i do want to thank you so much for joining this conversation um today and if you have yeah, a final thing that you would like to to share with people who might be listening in <laughs> and coming into this conversation. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for having me. And uh, if people want to come visit me at lauravandercam.com, that's my website. And you can um, you know, learn about my different books and things like that and uh, podcasts. And I blog several times a week. So always uh, enjoy having conversations with readers as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, Laura. Thanks for having me.